0: Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hold one, arm drag. I'm Whoa! This is Brett screwed, Brett. Brett. Who are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Brett screwed, Brett. Hold two, arm bar. Hey, get a nice shot of the brand new Mr. and Mrs. Hunter Hurst Helmsley. I hate you, I hate you. I hate your hat, I hate your t-shirts, I hate your wristbands, I hate your shoes, I hate your music, I hate the C Nation. I hate everything that you stand for. So does rule. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Hole three, the Moss Covered Three handled Family Redunzel. It's me Austin, it's me Austin. It was me all along, Austin. Just when they think they got the answers, I change the questions. Oh, hell yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pro Wrestling Mecca of the World in Cleveland, Ohio. I am your dangerously, dashingly, strikingly sexy, ever-so-smooth-talking, ever-so-amazing host, Nick. And with me, as always, is
1: Matt. Hello, wrestling people. How are you, Matt? I'm doing all right, Nick. We had a little scare a minute ago with with my goldfish it's been swimming up at like the top almost like it's coming up for air okay uh, yeah the fish is okay it's just kind of weird you know yeah um
0: the thing is is that we were talking about this a little bit and i mentioned to you how you should probably just watch because that could be a sign that the fish is on its last leg how long
1: have you had that fish uh, since April Fool's Day. It was actually an uh, April Fool's Day joke I played oh. on my <laughs> wife. <laughs> we had... Alright, so... To start I off forgot day, about this. To start off the day, I stacked a bunch of red Solo cups in front of the bedroom door. So that As soon as she opens the door, cups go flying everywhere. I'm like, this will be great. <laughs> so... Then I had in my head that she's planning something because I hadn't heard from her all day, which is weird.
0: Right. Especially on April Fool's Day when you're pranking each other.
1: (laughs) Right. So I decided after work, I'm going to drive to the local fish store and buy a couple goldfish. And actually, as I was driving home from the fish store, she called me wanted to know if i seen the prank that she did. So I'm like, oh yeah, i seen a good one. Even though I'm driving home. <laughs> so, basically I was able to get her to tell me what the prank was before I even got to the house.
0: Which, she was very smart by the way.
1: Yeah, and her prank wasn't as good as mine. She tried <laughs> messing with my bathroom. She tried doing the saran wrap over the toilet. Except You could see it. It was all hanging over the bowl, and it was real obvious. And see, my problem is, especially
0: with a prank like that, I would like to think that the saran wrap is actually very noticeable.
1: Because, like, I would
0: assume, like, it kind of, like, shines a
1: little bit. It it did. You can, like, see the light reflect off of it. Yeah. uh, Go ahead. But anyways, I... I got home with the goldfish, and I filled up her bathroom sink with water. And I put the fish in there, so okay. I, when she got home, she go into the bathroom, and see. So yeah, I thought about putting in the toilet, but <laughs> I, I was afraid of you know worst case scenario happens if she doesn't look before she sits. Right. So I f- filled up her sink with water, put the goldfish in there. I thought it was pretty funny. And, and I, uh, ever since then, you decided to have them as pets. Well, what happened was I put them in there, and then I went to my second job. I come home, and she's not there. So I go into the bathroom. The fish are gone, and the water's drained. I'm like, okay, what'd she do with the fish? I'm walking around the house, looking around. I look over at the coffee pot. My coffee pot. Because she doesn't drink coffee. Right. She filled it up with water and put the goldfish (laughs) in there. (laughs) But see. See, there was two goldfish. And the one was swimming around the coffee pot. But the other one, it it died. It was just floating in there. Right.
0: Well. It's probably such a small, like, even though volume-wise, it's probably, I mean, I'd, I'm assuming it's, like, what, maybe, like, a 36, 48-ounce kind
1: of mug? Are you talking about the coffee pot or, like, an actual coffee mug?
0: Oh, oh, I'm sorry, she put them in a coffee pot.
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: so, all right, well, that kind of defeats what I was going to say, then, because I was going to say, like, just because it's high in volume doesn't mean that it's enough room for the fish to swim around, but if it's something as wide as a coffee pot... I mean, I I, I don't know. I'm not a a fish doctor. What do I know?
1: I just assume it's because we kept transferring it. And you got to keep the water at a certain temperature. Um, But we did take the fish that was alive and we put it in an actual fish tank. And in honor of the whole April Fool's Day jokes, we named the fish Joker. Oh, that's cool. Plus, you are a huge Batman fan,
0: so it kind of works works out perfect yeah that's awesome um my day was actually spent at the batting cages oh all right yeah i changed it up after work today uh rebecca she got off work a little early so we had a quick dinner and then went right up to uh batting cages and i will not lie i went full softy
1: and i went on the softball cage Now, does it tell you how fast the ball's coming out, even though it's softball?
0: No, it doesn't. And I could have sworn, because we went up to Sportsville. It's basically a localized uh, family fun park kind of place. Uh, It has batting cages, uh, mini golf, things like that. Um, I could have sworn their cages actually had speeds, but they didn't. You just drop the token in, and pitches start coming out. And just hope that you don't get beamed. Pretty much. Um, Rebecca, actually, she did pretty good. I was actually pleasantly surprised. Did she go in the same cage as you? Yeah. We Well, I mean, for the most part, I did uh, wander off into a fast pitch one, and I only hit one pitch out of, I think, 12 is what it spits out. See, your problem is you're out of baseball shape. <laughs> Yeah, I know. See, I've been out. Ba- I think even when I was playing baseball, I wasn't in
1: baseball shape. No, you're you're in a bench warming shape. That's what you're in. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thanks, Matt. Anyway, <laughs> you want to hit the show the Gmail at gmail at gmail.com. once again, proslingpod at gmail.com, as I struggle to find the plugs. I don't know where they went. Uh, The Twitter is at ProWPodcast. Once again, at ProWPodcast. Facebook.com slash ProWrestlingPod. Once again, Facebook.com slash ProWrestlingPod. The website, ProWrestlingPod.blogspot.com. There you'll find actual blog postings. You'll find uh, links to the podcast itself, interviews, all kinds of good stuff available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and right here. On Anchor, because Anchor does not have any time limits, so you get to hear our lovely voices even longer. My apologies. And, <laughs> and we got we got some good stuff to talk about. Um, however, I told you before we went on air, this week kind of seemed like it was a little, well, these past two weeks, I should say, it seemed like it was kind of mellow a little bit in terms of, like, there wasn't really any huge news that really happened um, in terms of, like, the actual wrestling content, I don't think anything, like, really was, like, like must-see,
1: in my opinion. I don't uh, think that's
0: necessarily a bad thing, though.
1: I mean, there were some hidden gems in there the last couple weeks. Um, but nothing, like, major, major. Yeah, I, I, I think
0: that's fair um I, I will agree i think there were some hidden gems um we're gonna we're a little late to the party so we apologize but we will be reviewing a uh, double or nothing um a show which i think could arguably be show of the year but we'll get into that later uh super showdown we're doing this podcast on a friday um super showdown actually i think just well, not just ended. It's nine thirty at night, but I think it ended at like five. Like it was, it seemed like it was a long show. Uh, Terry Reynolds is in the news, which was kind of a shock. Uh, John Moxley, he lit the world on fire. The former Dean Ambrose in more ways than one. And our truth, which I, let's let's start with our truth, shall we? <laughs> because I'm good, because I, I like this. <laughs> So okay we're a little bit on opposite sides a little bit with this i I love the 24 seven title I love the concept i I love what they're doing for the most part um however uh, we want to talk specifically i think more about our truth um, uh, with the belt as opposed to the belt overall if that makes sense um our truth has been sort of like in a series of i guess Matches. I, I mean, I don't know what to really call them. Um, because, again, the belt is defended, as the title implies, 24-7. And with that comes challengers. And, Matt, you said that, you know, you've kind of been keeping up with it. I've kind of just been going off of, like, stuff I see off of, whether if it's Twitter, WWE.com. I don't know the full story, so fill me in on what's going on with our truth
1: Well, our truth or... Check this out. I got a new nickname for R-Truth. Oh, boy. Crash Holly. Oh, God. Think about it. 24-7 title is basically the hardcore title. And when they had the hardcore title, Crash Holly was constantly winning and losing the belt. Our truth so is he, constantly... So he's a modern-day Crash. Yeah, he's a modern-day Crash Holly. And so...
0: Before you go any further, I'm going to hit you up with a little uh, trivia, Matt. Oh, boy. Since we're talking about the Hardcore 24-7 title,
1: who had the most reigns with the Hardcore title? I'm afraid this might be a trick question, because I feel like the obvious answer is Crash Holly. Is that
0: your final answer?
1: Yeah, I'll go with that.
0: You are... Wrong. It was not Crash Holly. Really? Yes. There is someone that beat him, and I'm bringing it up right now. Okay. This person won the Hardcore title. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. They won the Hardcore title 27 times. This person is a former WCW light heavyweight and United States champion, as well as a world tag team champ on WCW. Uh, A former ECW champion. I'm talking about Raven. Raven has the most wins in hardcore championship history.
1: Yeah, that's really surprising to me. Because whenever you think hardcore title, you think of Crash Holly. Am I right? Oh, absolutely you're right. It just kind of feels like our truth is the modern day Crash Holly. The way how he's like ducking people and hiding out and losing the belt and quickly retaining the belt or regaining yeah. the belt I should say.
0: I'm not going to go into detail in terms of who was like hardcore champion or anything. I do agree. It does seem that way. And let me, I'll get into crashes in a minute. There was a, Oh my gosh, There's a total of 240 hardcore champions, like reigns that people had like combined reigns. That's crazy to me. Um, Crash Holly,
1: he won it 22 times, so he was not far behind Raven. Okay. See, if the Hardcore title, I guess you can say it was represented then by Crash Holly and Raven. So, with keeping that in mind, I can make the argument saying that the new 24-7 championship up to this point, it's being represented by R-Truth and Jinder Mahal. because. Gender Mahal how many times has a couple of Okay. Uh, I want to so, say two times. It's either two or
0: three. Uh, let, let's see here. So far, I'll just, I guess I'll just click on Gender's name. I I just want to say as I'm bringing this up, I love Wikipedia and how fast you can just find info from it. Um, so far, uh, gender, gender Mahal has won
1: it twice. Okay, that's what so, I thought. Because they've also been airing, like, these matches on WWE.com. And, like, one of them was, I think, Jinder Mahal's first reign. He pinned our truth on a golf course.
0: I I did see that one. And some brought up the interesting point of, what was Jinder doing on a golf course with his wrestling gear on?
1: I I actually did see that. I thought that was kind of funny. (laughs) because. (laughs) <laughs> How'd you like to be the guy playing behind our truth, and all of a sudden, just <laughs> yeah. this like Arab wrestler wearing <laughs> green underwear, like rolling up our truth, and a referee counting a three? <laughs> right. But that it's, was it's his so- first time winning it, and then his second time winning it was actually on the uh, the thing for the for the airport. They're like outside yeah, yeah, where the me. airplane is. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I'm looking up right now. r truth it has won it a total of five times already. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the one where Jinder Mahal is a champion, and he goes on the airplane. He gets all comfortable in seat. He puts a for some reason everyone on the plane has their blanket up over their head, but he puts his blanket up over his head and falls asleep. Arch comes walking through the plane and he's like lifting up everyone's blanket trying to find gender. <laughs> he he finally finds him and then he covers him. And the ref counts to three. But see when he covered him, it was like a hard cover that woke gender mall up and freaked him out a little bit.
0: <laughs> I I just I love the goofiness that entails the twenty four seven title. Um and it's funny because it's like this everyone was so critical of the title when it first was introduced by Mick Foley but here we are a few weeks later and I'm thinking this is one of the best parts of WWE programming as a whole um I,
1: I will say it's probably one of if not the most entertaining thing they got going on right now
0: I would say between that and the Firefly Funhouse episodes, I think those are the two things right now that WWE is is doing right, to be honest. (laughs) There's not really a whole lot that they're honestly doing right. But if you look at those Firefly Funhouse vignettes, every single one just seems like it just gets more creepier and weirder, which, which is so typical of Bray Wyatt.
1: Yeah, but I kind of get the feeling that they're going to be ending that soon.
0: I would venture to say you're probably right. Um, I don't want to get into too much too many details about this because it's a really long backstory, but essentially the Firefly Funhouse promos actually date back to 2015, according to Bray Wyatt. He somehow slipped in like these little lines that are essentially now in 2019. Like Back in 2015, he did a bunch of promos, And each promo had one line that is essentially the title of an episode to Firefly Funhouse. And based off of that, he had a total of eight lines that, and this was all actually according to Bray Wyatt on Twitter. Eight lines basically are now the titles of an episode. So there were eight lines, and we've seen seven episodes of Firefly Funhouse. So we have one more to go. If that math adds up.
1: and uh, See, I don't know if I buy into that. Because, uh, yeah, I, I can say Bray Wyatt could have slipped that all in. But at the same time, how do we not know that someone went back, watched a bunch of old promos, and they go, okay, we're going to base this promo off of the next episode.
0: Well, but see, the thing is, is that I, and of course now I can't find it, go figure, but I would actually venture to say that because it came from Bray Wyatt himself, I would actually believe that because Bray, he has a mind like no other when it comes to promo skills. I wouldn't put it past him to to do something like this, to actually... Slip something in years ago only to bring it up now. Like, I, in 2015, I don't think he actually, that was his intent. But I think now when he's trying to reinvent himself, he probably looked at the past to see if there's anything he could take away from it. And this was probably that one thing that he was able to take away from it. I'm not saying that that's what is in his mind. God only knows what Bray Wyatt thinks of. But... I,
1: I, all you gotta say is "Yowie, wowie." How did you like the the last one that had the devil Vince McMahon in it, and uh, it had that? What oh, was it like a pig or something? He cut. He kept calling it like huskis or something.
0: Something like that. Yeah, um, I believe it was. Yeah, I believe it was huskis. Um, well, you know
1: that's referencing. That, that's a reference for uh, Husky Harris, right? Oh, absolutely.
0: That, th- like, you you could tell that he was in that promo, essentially just kind of like poking fun at the fact that he, like, at one point was just really overweight, and, and that creative didn't have anything for him, and the fact that he referenced Vince McMahon as the devil is just insane to me. Yeah,
1: because it, it just. Something that you don't see all the time Is when a wrestler will make fun of Vince McMahon In a vignette like that It was different
0: Yeah, it absolutely was And and especially now in today's day and age of um, I guess promo skills in general It's very hard to find something that just sticks And the Firefly Funhouse sticks by itself, but the fact that you add your your boss and reference him as the devil, I think it, it just makes it ten times better. And the fact that apparently uh, Bray Wyatt has, I guess, almost full creative control on uh, the Firefly Funhouse segments, just the fact that it's essentially a glimpse into his brain and how he operates – To me, it just it opens the door. Like this is the one thing that wrestling needs is creativity from its wrestlers. Like you can't just be handed a script and expect to get it over if you as a person aren't comfortable with it. If this is something Bray
1: is comfortable with, let him explore it. I'm willing to venture to say that there's not too many current WWE superstars who they allow to have full creative control over their characters or gimmick. We've seen it so many times. They're handed a, a script and they're told, say this, say that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it, it, you could tell a lot of times when it just feels forced. Like, um, I believe it was like two years ago, maybe Roman Reigns had that promo where he was talking to Seamus and he goes suckering suck attached and, Sounding like a Looney Tunes character. It's like, what? Why are we supposed to buy into that? There's no rhyme or reason for it. And, yeah, it's and,
1: just something that
0: doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I, I'm a fan of the Firefly Funhouse. I don't know how we got on that when we we're talking about the 24 7 title. But um, overall, I think I'm loving the direction it's going. And I, I hope it doesn't end, knock on wood. But I agree. I do think that it's coming to an end soon. Well, since we're talking about WWE creative and people, I guess, having a problem with it, I want to talk to you guys about, well, and I'm sure Matt does too, talk to you guys about a former WWE superstar who had a problem with creative. Now, something that I think is probably the most frustrating thing, as we said, was wrestlers not having that creative outlet. And that was one of the reasons as to why the former Dean Ambrose. Quit oh, yeah, WWE. I know that guy. Oh,
1: isn't oh yeah. An, isn't he in AEW now? Is, is that the thing where they try to be elite? It, it might be. Okay. Or is he in New Japan Pro Wrestling winning titles? I'm not too sure. I believe he's winning titles. Winning the United States title, if, if I'm not mistaken. Well, wait, hold up. Why does New Japan have a United States title? Hmm.
0: Now you're asking the serious questions. I think we should go to New Japan and ask them ourselves.
1: Well, okay, if you're going to buy my plane ticket, then yeah, I'll go <laughs> over
0: there. Buy the plane, the hotel. <laughs> Just buy everything. Yeah, um, why not? Yeah, so as 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 Matt as Matt alluded to, yes, uh the former Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, he not only quit WWE, but he also showed up on AEW's Double or Nothing, which we will be getting into later. And even after all of this, he still makes an appearance for New Japan. So clearly John Moxley is a very busy man. And he still had time to sit down with Chris Jericho. I believe the podcast itself was recorded a day or two before Double or Nothing. And essentially, he talked in length with Jericho about WWE's creative, um, a lot of the plans that they had for him that he just couldn't believe. Um, He said a little bit about how he was banged up, but to me, it, it came off like he was just creatively frustrated, essentially, ever since the Shield broke up the first time. Um, If you want to go back and and talk about the dates. And now he's just excited to be part of AEW. Um, Overall, I loved the whole interview. I thought it was really well spoken on his end. Um, And I I think the biggest takeaway from it is a lot of the stuff he said that happened in WWE. Long story short, in my opinion, it, it shouldn't be a surprise for anybody. Yeah,
1: it was a really good episode and i i found various things in there interesting like the fact that those promos that we talked about on our show where he's like uh training in, in a boxing ring or whatever you know the big when that first came out the big thing was oh there's hidden messages there's AEW double or, or nothing stuff in the background, if you really look closely, it kind of alludes to it. Well, those vignettes were actually taped in February before the name of the show even came about, right? And I guess they filmed it in Vegas, which is why you know it had that double or nothing feel to them, and uh, yeah. I know I just called him Dean. <laughs> you see, I, I do
0: that all the time.
1: <laughs> I'm just so used to calling him Dean Ambrose, but John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, whoever you want to call him, he was just so frustrated and I don't really want to say burned out because he loves wrestling. Maybe he was just burnt out from the creative control that the company had.
0: Well, and it it goes it I mean, if really, if you think about it, this whole, oh, creative is out of touch, you know, uh, narrative, it kind of dates back all the way to when CM Punk did his podcast and he, you know, told everything. Um, One of the biggest things for him was creative because it seemed like Vince really did not have any plans for him, uh, even though he was one of their most featured stars at the time. And so to me, it, it kind of is the same thing with, the former Dean Ambrose in WWE. He was offered a a pooper scooper as a prop to try to get over. And he worked with one of the writers to work in a gas mask or something. And now Vince was like, okay, this is your thing. Now you're coming out here with a gas mask and you know you're you're gonna get shots and all this other stuff. And it, it it really blew my mind at how much stuff Vince thought was a good idea.
1: Well, it does say a lot about his ideas, and maybe Vince is starting to get a little out of touch. Um, he, he's known to surround himself with yes men. Right. But, uh, you know, to John Moxley's credit, though, whenever he was given a bad line to say or a bad promo to cut, he would try and go through the channels to change everything. And, you know, if he succeeded, you no know, good for him. But on the ones that he couldn't, he tried to make the best of them. Like, um, if there's a, um, a bad line or something, he was like, well, I'm going to say it like no one else can say it. And I think it actually worked. A lot of things that he did. Um, some of the ideas were really bad, like the whole gas mask thing. And you can tell it was he even felt uncomfortable doing the whole thing. And like, it didn't really make sense storyline wise with the things that he, that him and Seth Rollins were doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, it really is hard. You know, when you, you just, all you want to do is just get over with the crowd. All you want to do is just put on the best possible performance that you can But at the same time, you're getting handed these scripts that, for lack of a better word, are trash. And yet you're told to go out there and make gold out of it. And I give credit to Dean or
1: John. What do you call him? Do you call him Dean or do you call him John? I'm trying to call him John. John Moxley. Because that's what he's going by now. Because eventually everyone's going to forget the whole Dean Ambrose name. Because they're going to be so used to hearing John Moxley. I mean, I guess I shouldn't really say they're going to forget the name Dean Ambrose, but it's just going to be one of those things to get more used to hearing is John Moxley.
0: Yeah, um, and the funny thing is, about this real quick, is that um, we, we were watching, I think it was something on YouTube, I'm not fully sure, and he came on the screen, and Rebecca turned to me and she goes, what are we calling him, and... I said, we call him John Moxley, Dean Ambrose is dead. And and her jaw dropped, but it's the truth. He's not Dean Ambrose anymore. I mean, as much as I want to call him that and call him the third member of the S.H.I.E.L.D., he's not the third member of the S.H.I.E.L.D., he's not Dean Ambrose. He's not the lunatic fringe, he's John Moxley. Um, Where he goes from here is completely up to him, but... I mean, I I guess we'll see. I I think my biggest takeaway from that podcast, though, I think was probably the fact that, and this is the thing that I always look for in these kind of tell-all podcasts, is that now he's looking forward to the future. You know, now he knows that he's kind of his own boss. And I'm sure for a lot of guys, when they come from WWE's world, to where they're back on the Indies, or they're with a startup like AEW, they're free to book dates, and you—you you could just tell by that podcast he's looking forward to that, and he's embracing it. And overall, it's making him happy. You know, if you're not happy working where you work, you should quit your job. I will admit it's kind of weird that they sent
1: out a press release to say he's leaving, but. I think, I think that the same was just. Time. I think that was just WWE trying to jump in front of everything before too much got leaked out about the situation. But that was just a really weird thing for them to do. I mean, it was weird, but like Dean Ambrose said, it's never been done for anyone else. So he kind of took it as like a compliment. I would too. Absolutely, I would. The thing I I like about this whole thing, though, is anytime someone's been frustrated with something that's going on, I'll use CM Punk as an example. He just shoots off at the mouth at everything. He may do something and get himself intentionally fired. um, And they always leave on bad terms. Mm -hmm. Dean Ambrose, he was unhappy for a long time. And. Instead of thinking about himself and saying, you know what, I could do this to get out of my contract, I can do that. He sat back and thought, well, if I do something stupid, this will affect Renee Young, who is his real life wife. Right. And to me, that says a lot about John Moxley's character as a individual, as an actual person, not. Just as a wrestler,
0: yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, you know, it, it's the same thing with Punk, and you know, I think that once when Punk left, AJ was still around for a couple months. I think after he left, and because I think she was kind of just biting her time because her contract was about to run out anyway. But, yeah. but yeah, at the same time. You know, every time she came out, the crowd would always chant CM Punk. I'm sure it kind of got to her a little bit, but I think at the same time, she was probably like, "Yeah, it's what it is. Um, I kind of feel it's going to be the same with Renee Young. I mean, the only difference is we just don't see it on TV. But I'm sure when she comes out to the commentator table, they're probably chanting Moxley or Dean Ambrose or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. It could be a sign of respect, maybe... I I don't know, but my question to you is that do you see Renee Young eventually joining AEW and maybe even managing Jon Moxley?
1: That's a hard one. I mean, it all depends on how happy she is being there. Right. Because, like, right now, her role is just to do commentary. She doesn't have necessarily a character she has to portray. I mean, she does have some guy on the other end feeding her lines to say during the broadcast, I'd imagine. I mean, it could be one of those things where she doesn't like that part. Uh, it, It just all depends. I mean, I would hate to see her leave the company because she is the first woman to be a full time broadcaster for Monday Night Raw. And I think she's doing a good job. I she's mean she's doing a great job. Yeah. Her chemistry with Corey Graves, it's really good. Oh yeah. And I just I don't know, I'd be kinda leery on how like another company like AEW would use her. Cause like you said they could have her in a manager role, which is something that I don't believe she's ever done before. Or they could use her as, like, a announcer, backstage interviewer. I don't know. I mean, I would... If I was them,
0: I would do... And I said this when Moxley was in WWE. I would still have him as a heel, which is what they're portraying him as. And have her come in as a heel with him... And make her dress like a little like punk Rocky a little bit. And sort of, in a way, just try to be a heel magnet for him. I think it could work. You know, I think that they, I would assume, have good chemistry as a team. I mean, just with the way she presents herself and the way he presents himself. Yeah, I think it it could work. But, again, I know it's fantasy booking a little bit, but... I, I think eventually, my opinion, I think she will join AEW eventually. I'm not saying anytime soon, but I could definitely see her going there.
1: Yeah, I'd be interested well, to know like when her contract is up with the company. Because as that date approaches, that's the time you really want to sit back and kind of watch and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean that's and you know, I I would actually say that that um i I just lost my train of thought i would actually say that she should probably do the whole dean thing or moxley thing and just kind of twiddle her thumbs until her time runs out um because you hear about people those stories that people were actually failing drug tests just to try to get it out of their contract and it's like the problem is is that if you do something like that it doesn't look good on you as an employee because now people are seeing the true colors of you as much as it would kill you just sit down shut up do your work and then when your contract's up just leave. And I know it's easier said than done but I mean that's really the only way to fully get out as opposed to WWE just adding more time on for the dates you missed.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, the whole Luke Harper situation. And They added more days to his contract because of his injury. And he's someone that spoke out saying he wants out of his contract.
0: Yeah. And I, I for one, would love to see him, at least on the indie circuit, because, man, did WWE drop the ball on Luke Harper. Like, you always hear... Fans complain, oh, they don't know how to use this person. They don't know how to use this person. I think Luke Harper and Revival are the two biggest names WWE dropped the ball on. Okay, I was
1: kind of thinking about this. How much of that also plays into the fact that WWE is still using guys like Undertaker, Goldberg, Triple H, even Brock Lesnar? I mean, how how many championships would... Kofi Kingston have won by now how many championships would the Miz have won by now how many would Dolph Ziggler have won by now a lot (laughs) I feel like we're missing out on the next generation of big-name superstars because WWE creatively doesn't want to move away from the past and that's their biggest
0: problem. I mean, they have Super Showdown, which we'll begin into in just a moment. But look at the names that they were really pushing Triple H, Goldberg, The Undertaker, Lesnar, all those guys you just mentioned. And I'm thinking to myself, Kofi is your WWE champion. He should be your focus. Like, I'm not saying these guys should be swept under the rug, but you really need to invest in what you have or there's not going to be a future. And it it kills me when you see guys like Kofi, who's put in the work for years and is just now getting a major title push. That should not happen. I'm not saying he should have had the belt to begin with. He definitely shouldn't have. But I think this, this is long overdue. Like He should have won this belt at least four, maybe even five years ago.
1: He should have had at least one other championship reign under his belt before this one. Yeah, I I fully agree. I, I absolutely agree. And, and then, of course, it's like The Miz and Dolph Ziggler. They're in a similar boat. I mean, granted, they've won the championship before, but like The Miz, he only won it that one time. Yeah. He, he should have won it. A couple different times by now I mean the stuff he was doing on Smackdown With Daniel Bryan alone Got him so much heat That should have elevated him Dolph Ziggler Steals the show every time he performs He's he's like a modern day Shawn Michaels Without the the fame And the championship reigns
0: And the diesel
1: Well he had Big E for a while
0: Ah crap, I forgot about that. <laughs> well, since we're talking about Dolph Ziggler and all these names from Super Showdown, which, which I, I have to confess something. Before we went on there, we, we like to do a little like, I don't know, maybe five or ten minute prep give or take. Um and oh, come on, you is... gotta tell
1: this story. <laughs>
0: We couldn't remember if it was Super Showdown or Superstar Showdown. Matt said it was Superstar Showdown. I said it was Super Showdown. We looked for like a minute or so before we realized it was Super Showdown. And look, I'm not trying to like say anything bad about you. It's more so about the nature of these shows, to where it's like you don't really pay nearly as much attention to it as you would a major pay-per-view. I think that was well, more of the focus than, than you not knowing the name of it.
1: Well, to me, it's like they're always calling the wrestlers superstars, right? Right. So I just figured, you know, I heard the super, so I just assumed it was Superstar Showdown. And here I feel like an idiot because, like, for the last month I've been saying Superstar <laughs> Showdown. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and and we apologize if, if he said Superstar, or if I did for that matter, say Superstar Showdown. I, and I if really, Nick
1: said it, he only said it because I said it first. More than likely, yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, so now, now that we got that out of the way, um, before we get into our little review of Super Showdown, um, there's been a couple noticeable absences from... Uh, This show in particular, Um, the main one is obviously the women. The women are still not allowed to compete in Jeddah, uh, Saudi Arabia, even though they're not mentioning the Saudi Arabia part due to certain controversies that have happened in Saudi Arabia. They're just going by Jeddah, which, you know, I mean, it's going to be touchy. Fans have ever since these shows have started, the fans have been so critical i guess is the right word of wwe's position in terms of even running these shows um so with that being said
1: they're getting so much money from these shows they're not gonna stop well look from a
0: business standpoint it makes total sense you know but from a fan standpoint it it is it puts you like i feel weird watching these shows
1: well as far as the women i read online like i mean like a half hour before the show started that wwe was trying to push them to let the women compete on the show but obviously the plans kind of fell through i guess it's just a different culture over there though it is it's
0: 100 percent different culture over there and you know i get it you're, you're in a different country you have to play by other rules you know absolutely do um as a wrestling fan, it kind of sucks because the names missing were pretty good wrestlers. Um, as I'm looking down the list from Wikipedia, uh, John Cena and Daniel Bryan, both who previously refused to work crown, the Crown Jewel event, uh, refused to participate. Uh, Bryan refused due to apparently the treatment of the LGBT community by the country. Um, And also because of Sami Zayn's ban from the Greatest Royal Rumble event. Uh, John Cena was, I think he was more so uh, due to the assassination of Jamal Kasagi, if I'm saying his name correctly, I hope I am. Uh, He was not there as well. Sami Zayn was manned as well uh, due to his Syrian heritage. Kevin Owens refused to participate due to Sami Zayn. Aleister Black was told not to come onto the show due to him having several tattoos with religious connotations. Uh, And right before everything all happened, Alexa Bliss and Natalia actually flew out to, like you said, uh, try to convince the officials in Jeddah to have the women participate. So there were a lot of notable absences from the show. Um, Again, like you said, you, you have to play by their rules as much as you, as we might not like it, it, it's it's their culture, you know. And, and you have to respect that, especially if you're going over there.
1: Especially when they're the ones paying you to come out there to put on the show.
0: Exactly.
1: And just a little side note for John Cena. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but do you remember that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader?
0: Yes, with uh, uh, The Redneck. Jeff, Fo-
1: Jeff Foxworthy. Yes.
0: I almost said Bill Engvall and I'm glad I didn't.
1: <laughs> They're reviving that and putting it on Nickelodeon. And John Cena's the new host.
0: I'm okay with it. I mean, if you're going to make it a kid version, I mean, John Cena's very kid-friendly, so I guess it makes sense. I mean, I'm probably not going to watch, but...
1: I, I don't know. I'm so used to Jeff Foxworthy. I, I might still watch it, even though it's supposedly kid-friendly. I mean, so was the original with Jeff Foxworthy. I never seen the original. Did you ever see it? Yeah, I'd seen it. I mean, I didn't watch it like religiously, but yeah. if it was on TV, there's nothing on, uh, I would stick on that channel. But the questions they asked the contestants on there, there's no way you're asking a fifth grader these questions. But then it kind of dawned on me. These are like gifted fifth graders. And it's not, you no, know, are you in a classroom with a fifth grader taking the same test as him? It's, are you smarter than a fifth grader? These are gifted kids who happen to be in the fifth grade.
0: And, and you know what? It shows like that that make me realize, man, I really should have paid more attention in school. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so getting back on track. I, again, I did not see all of super showdown mostly because i was at work for most of it um i came home and by the time i actually like settled down and started watching it was practically over um so i did not see it tonight um i'm going to kind of rely on you for most of this for like 99.9 percent of this so you know that's okay
1: but i just want to apologize to my job for the time I wasted <laughs> Staying there on my cell phone Watching the pay-per-view Instead of actually working <laughs> oh, I'm sure your boss didn't mind, right? Yeah, I'm like, oh, don't worry about the work you know, I got a wrestling pay-per-view I got podcasts I gotta do later
0: <laughs> And you know what's funny about this um, uh, My boss at, at my job He's actually a huge wrestling fan And I'm, when I'm, I break at 2.15 We'll say I come back in, and we we stood around just talking for almost a half hour about Super Showdown and the matches and the build and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, this is great. I should be working because I'm kind of slammed right now, but I don't care.
1: Yeah, I get into those moods too when I'm at work. It's like, I should be working and improving on my numbers. But you know what? Wrestling. Why not? (laughs) Wrestling. Um, He actually he tried booting up the
0: WWE Network on his computer, but apparently it was blocked by the company. Ah, uh, see, he needs a new company to work. For <laughs> <it>. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to run down the card and, you know, if, if you want to you know, interject, we'll talk about the matches as we're going through things. Totally cool. Um, the pre-show saw the Usos defeat the Revival in a tag match, in a seven-minute tag match, no less. Um, I do want to say that this feud i can care less about <laughs> you don't like it no i and it's a shame too because the usos phenomenal tag team revival one of my favorite tag teams in wwe but the problem is is the again creatively it's been terrible uh, a lot of it's because wwe has intent on actually burying the revival and i think that if it wasn't for that, if it was just a straight-up feud, it would be great. But my thoughts could care less about the feud.
1: Yeah, it would be a better feud if it wasn't centered around, like, uh, like all these pranks that the Usos were doing, like with the uh, shaving the back and the Usi hot. Usi hot.
0: Did you see this match at all? What was that? Did you see the the pre-show match?
1: No, I actually uh, didn't watch the
0: pre-show. Okay. Um, Seth Rollins defeated Baron Corbin for the Universal Championship. This match I did see hints of uh, when I was on my break watching on my phone. And I saw the ending of the match, which I thought was genius. I thought the fact that you're going to have Baron Corbin bully the crap out of the ref, only for the ref to freaking fight back. And then Seth rolls him up. I, I love that finish. I thought it was a genius finish.
1: I, I thought it was actually kind of weak. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's a championship match, and you're going to win with a roll-up? It's a
0: ch- championship match on a show where you kind of figured that the result wasn't going to change. Like, Like, I don't think anyone expected Corbin to win, you know?
1: True, but still, I mean... You find a, a good match. I just feel like it's watching a, bad, uh, watching a good movie that has a bad ending. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I can see, like, it,
0: like it, it was a little anticlimactic for you. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess that to each his own. That's fair. Uh, Finn Balor retaining his Intercontinental Championship against Andrade. Not Sian Almas. I still hate that. Just Andrade. I, I
1: actually like that name better because I have a hard time pronouncing the other one.
0: <laughs> so, did you watch this one? Oh, no, you said you watched the whole thing, right?
1: Yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah, it was a pretty good match. Uh, Finn Balor was actually the Demon. Oh, and okay. I, I didn't realize this, but the Demon is actually undefeated. I'm going off the top of my head. Yeah, I... I won't
0: say even in NXT, I don't think he was defeated as the demon.
1: No, I mean, it's a stat that they said on uh, commentary. I'm just like, oh, I didn't know that. Huh. So I, I guess for all you, feature, all you people who like to bet on the matches in the future, if Finn Balor is wrestling as a demon, place your money on Finn. <laughs> Shane
0: McMahon with Drew McIntyre's corner defeated Roman Reigns. What?
1: That was a shocker. But there was interference from Drew McIntyre. Okay. Who hit Roman Reigns with the Claiborne kick when the referee was distracted. Okay. And then Shane covered him right after. So t-
0: it's typical, a typical heel finish. Um, ah, man. I don't. That leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I thought for sure Roman was going to whip the floor with Shane McMahon.
1: Yeah, I felt like the face of the company, having him lose to the boss's son.
0: Roman, ever, ever since he came back, he hasn't really been featured as, like, the, the star of the show as much.
1: That's true. And I wonder if that's because of the fan response to him.
0: What do you mean? Because they were cheering him and now they're kind of lukewarm?
1: Because... Before the whole leukemia thing, he would come out there, and he had that John Cena effect. There were some yeah. towns that cheered him, other towns that booed him out of the building. And when you're the, supposed to be the face of the company, they don't want you to get booed out of the building. Right. Well, before we move on, real quick,
0: do you think Roman should even be the quote-unquote star of the show?
1: I think the star of the show... Should be whoever the fans want to be the star of the show. Do you think Stone Cold was elected by Vince McMahon and the higher ups to be the face of the attitude error? No, they wanted to call him Iceman. Yeah, they faxed him over a list of horrible <laughs> nicknames. Stone like, Stone Cold one, actually came up with to, that name, they
0: wanted to do like a glacier type gimmick with him, and one of the names was like. Icy McFreeze or something like that. Like, it's like, what are you doing? I'm so glad he became stone cold.
1: But my point is stone cold elevated himself to where the fans cheered him so much. Yeah. And I think that's what needs to happen right now is that someone needs to just kick him to that high gear, get the crowd behind them and just become naturally the face of the company. I can see like AJ Styles doing that. I can see Seth Rollins doing that.
0: I, I I think, and there's your winner right there. I think Seth Rollins is the face of the company right now, but then that's the problem. He's the face of the company right now. They need someone who's like a Steve Austin, who's like a rock who will be the face for the next 10 years or something like that.
1: Like develop someone who can become the face of the company.
0: Exactly. And that's the problem they have. They, they, Develop them in NXT, but when they get called up to the main roster, they have such a hard time to get over. Right. Uh, Lars Sullivan defeated Lucha House Party in a three-on-one handicap match. I think we all kind of saw that coming.
1: Except for the ending.
0: Uh, it says by disqualification, so Lucha House Party beat up Lars Sullivan pretty good?
1: Yeah, they started beating him up, and then the referee lost control and called for the bell. Like... I saw that. I saw Lars Sullivan pick up the win, but I figured he'd just destroy Lucha House Party. I wasn't expecting to see him win by a disqualification.
0: Yeah, that's a little bit of a shock. I mean, as much as they've tried to build Lars Sullivan to be like this badass, that's not really a good way that you want to portray him by
1: doing wimpy things like like that. Uh, No, they still portrayed him as a badass because after the disqualification, Sullivan got back up and destroyed Lucha House Party. Oh, okay. Okay. Well... It it was just a swerve that I felt was kind of unnecessary.
0: Yeah, I I would agree. But at
1: the same time, it didn't hurt his character. Do you like Lars Sullivan? I think... Over time, he's going to have that Braun Strowman effect, to where he's just destroying everybody in his way, to the point to where the fans start cheering him. I don't know. I I I
0: can see that, but at the same time, I don't know if Lars really has it in him to do. That. I hope he proves me wrong. You know, I I don't hate Lars, but
1: I don't like dislike him either. I'm kind of just like eh when it comes to Lars. See, when I was watching that whole segment, the whole time I'm like, I can't wait to see what Lars Sullivan does to the Lucha House Party. <laughs> well, like like you said though, like you knew
0: he was going to win. Just it seemed like it was a little bit unnecessary the way he did it.
1: It, it was odd how they went about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Randy Wynn defeating Triple H in a singles match. Uh
1: that match was every <clears throat> that match was everything that I expected it to be.
0: Okay. So, I'm assuming maybe a little hard-hitting, maybe a little bit mind-game-esque from Orton, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it was, like I said, it was what I expected it to be. I mean, these two have fought before, so there is kind of that. You you know what to expect.
0: Right. Uh, uh, Braun Strowman defeating
1: Bobby Lashley, which was a match I didn't really care about. You know, leading up to it, neither did I. But the thing is, they put on a good powerhouse match. A lot of, like, it showcased what both men are capable of doing. Okay. Yeah. And which, I've always, which should be what it is. And I've always said this about Lashley. and Again, this is a creative issue. They... All right, say if I was in creative, what I would do with Lashley is I would have moved him over to a SmackDown brand a long time ago. And then I would have built him up similar to how they have Brock Lesnar. And except with Lashley, you can have him there actually every single week. Okay. He just has that same mentality as Brock Lesnar. Except maybe he's more agile. And then eventually, further down the line, you could even do like a Lashley Lesnar match at WrestleMania.
0: Okay, I agree with you, except for one thing. I would not have him there every single day. If you, well, I mean, it depends on how you want to book him, but I want to see Lashley as a meta heel, right? I agree, you know, you should make him, like, a Lesnar-esque type character. Um, but the thing is, is that I wouldn't have him there every night. I would still have Leo Rush as his mouthpiece, even, and just say, you yeah, know, we're going to come here whenever WWE offers us the mo- most money that they possibly can, kind of stuff. And no, just no, wait a minute. Can right I interject
1: for a minute? Yeah. Because you hate the fact that Brock Lesnar isn't there every week. Here's the difference, though.
0: Lesnar... Legit- legitimately does not want to be there every week. If someone like Lashley wants to come around and make the product better, then they would see the, the true vision behind it. it I just don't know. It, it wouldn't be like a permanent thing. I think it could just be a, a gimmicky thing, at least at first, to have him not
1: there every single week. But see, here's the thing, though. If, he, if the ultimate goal is a Lashley-Lesnar match, again, this is all fancy booking, um, sure. It, it would make more sense to have Lashley there every single week. This way, he can be like, "Well, I'm better than you. I'm here every single week, and I'm doing the same things that you always do."
0: Yeah, but and again, like, like I said, it depends on how you want to book him. If you want to book him as a heel or a face, in that scenario, he's a face. In my scenario, he's a heel. Um, I, would
1: Would you prefer Lashley as a heel or as a face? That's a tough one. I say heel. He didn't make a good heel in uh, Impact Wrestling. Right. So, like,
0: a lot of people have said that he makes a pretty good heel. I, I mean, obviously, it hasn't worked out that way in WWE, but that's not, not to discredit him. You know, I just think, it, it, again, you know, bad creative.
1: Yeah, and plus, in Impact, he didn't really have a mouthpiece. In WWE, had Leo Rush. Right. Alright, well, let's
0: move along here and we'll just blow past these last few matches here. Kofi uh, retains his WWE title against Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I saw a little bit of that match and I thought it was okay from what I saw. The crowd clearly was exhausted by then because it's a long show, I'm assuming at least because no one really reacted to anything. And well, I, I... I mean, I think it was a given Kofi was going to win. He did. Uh, after the match, Dolph Ziggler challenged him to a steel cage match at Stomping Ground. So we'll see if Kofi responds, or maybe he has already. I don't know.
1: Actually, um, already has been made official.
0: Okay. Mansoor... One the fifty man battle royal by last eliminating Elias. Now it's interesting to note on here on Wikipedia they have how long the matches were. They do not have one for, for this battle royal. I don't know if maybe because it was too long and they just didn't care, but there is no t- time for it. But anyway, Mansoor they only won. had
1: him they only had him win because he's from there.
0: Okay. I mean, I guess makes sense, you know. Yeah,
1: because after the match, he went to the crowd, started celebrating with a bunch of people. and right. It was just one of those kind of things. And it was, to me, it was an eye roller. Like, really, you're going to have this guy that no one's ever heard of win this match. Right. But then I started thinking, well, you know, how, how much of this is Saudi Arabia saying, we want our guy featured?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Undertaker defeating Goldberg in nine minutes, which went on, I think, five minutes longer than what I thought it would.
1: So kudos to those guys for putting on an almost 10-minute match. <laughs> there was one point where uh, Michael Cole was saying, Goldberg hit the Undertaker with like three spears and a jackhammer, and he hasn't been able to put him away. And I started thinking about it. Well, the spear and jackhammer, that's like, all of Goldberg's moves. Yeah. I mean, Undertaker, you got Tombstone, Slam, Last Ride, Hell's yep. Gate.
0: Snake Eyes.
1: Snake old Eyes. School. Old school. Goldberg doesn't have moves.
0: No. When that was the one and only time I was cheering for Lesnar was with that feud with Goldberg. <laughs> um, overall, you know, on a school grade, what would you give Super Showdown?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I think I'm going to give it a B. Okay. Because C is average, which is result-wise, it was average. Because I felt like matches were a little predictable on who was going to win. But, like, the quality of the matches were pretty good. Okay, that's fair. So, a decent little show. All right. Um... So, moving on from that, we got to talk about... R- well, real before, briefly, before oh, we ahead. move on, um, we did post our uh, pay-per-view picks onto the Facebook page the other right. day. So, I went through and I tallied up all the matches. The end result, Nick, you were right on five matches. And okay. I was right on... Six matches.
0: Oh, oh, are you kidding me? Oh, man. So that ends my streak. I think I had a two-pay-per-view streak over you, and now that just snapped it.
1: No, actually, the Money in the Bank one, we tied on.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. Because there was some... Yeah, because it was kind of wonky a little bit with, like, the Money in the Bank and stuff like that. And that that kind of, of, like, threw a little bit.
1: Yeah, because we, we both ended up with three and a half wins. Okay. And I believe the one before that was WrestleMania, correct? Yeah. yeah I'm going through my notes right now. I'm trying to figure out who had what for so, WrestleMania. Yeah, so give me a minute here.
0: Okay. Yeah, I do believe um, I had. Oh, no, no. Rebecca won. Didn't she beat us
1: both? Yeah, but if you're talking about like out of me and you have okay. a better record.
0: Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it went Rebecca, then me, then you, I believe.
1: You know what actually WrestleMania, I don't have the results for because we did that live on the air. Oh well, not live.
0: That's, we did that's that on true. the air. Okay.
1: Well so, we'll we, just we'll just say one. That's fine. We'll we'll just add one. No, we just won't count it. So right now, <laughs> right now, like my total would be o one and one, and yours would be. Oh no, wait a minute. Mine would be one zero one, and you would be zero one one. Lies. No, it's fat. <laughs> I'm I'm like
0: I'm like Roman. I get over Matt, my show.
1: No, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the fans boo you acceptable. like Roman.
1: They cheer me like Seth Rollins. <laughs> All right.
0: Anyway, moving on. Even though I'm right, moving on. We gotta talk about a wrestler, former wrestler, former hardcore champion, for that matter. As we were talking about earlier, arrested an airport for b- trying to bring a loaded gun onto a plane. And that would be none other than one-time hardcore champion Terry Runnels. Uh, this is all from TMZ.com. Uh, uh, let's see. TMZ has obtained a photo of the gun that Terry was allegedly carrying at the airport, a Glock 9 millimeter handgun, and officials say it was loaded. Uh, there were at least 11 bullets in the chamber, uh, which which appear to be hollow tipped. I don't know what that means for you gun nuts out there. I don't know what hollow tipped is. I'm not to guns, uh, which tend to cause more soft tissue damage upon impact on a target. In other words, it's a more lethal round. Okay. So why wouldn't you just tell me it's a more lethal round? Uh, she claimed that she was carrying the gun because she had just been called to her mother's house to deal with an armadillo that was digging up the yard. Why her mom won't call pest control. I don't know. Instead, you want your daughter to fly out to kill the thing with a gun. That seems a little extreme, but to (laughs) use their own, I guess. Um,
1: I, I took it like she, yeah, that was what she intended to use the gun for, but I thought she was leaving her mom's house and forgot that she had the gun on her. I could be wrong. I don't have the article in front of me right now.
0: Uh, she had just been called to her mother's house, so it kind of implies that she was on her way to her mother's house. I don't know. And again, this is the TMZ article. Oh, here we go. Uh, let's see. It says that she was arrested at the Tampa International Airport for carrying a concealed firearm, which is a class three felony. Uh, she was arrested at security checkpoint. Uh, It carries a maximum punishment of five years in prison and up to $5,000 in fines. Uh, Taken to jail, bond was set to grand. And as of this post, which I don't know when this was posted, May 29th, so it's obviously an older post, she was still locked up. So I'm assuming she's probably out by now. I'm assuming. I don't know for sure. Um, And then the rest just goes on to tell her career highlights after that. So it kind of sounds like she was on her way to her mom's.
1: Well, then that's I mean, just I, stupid on her part for trying to bring a loaded gun into an airport.
0: I don't know what she was thinking. I mean, clearly she wasn't thinking at all. Um, I, I don't. That just seems a little extreme, right? To kill an armadillo that's digging up your mom's backyard, like. I don't know, like, it doesn't really seem in this whole
1: story as a whole that there's really a lot of common sense in the story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, normally you would think called pest control. I don't know, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there who have, like, some kind of critter in their backyard or whatever they get frustrated and, oh, let me go and shoot it with a BB gun or, in this case, an actual gun.
0: I mean, because the thing is, an armadillo is not a big animal by any means. So, I mean, just... I don't know, just shooting like having having someone who lives out of state calling them up and saying, "Hey, there's an armadillo in my yard. Can you bring your fully loaded gun through security and shoot the thing and then go back home?" That seems like it's a little bit irrational. I would just call somebody who could take care of it, but I don't know, maybe or, she didn't have the money or something. I don't know.
1: Or just go to a gun store, buy your own gun. <laughs> right, at that rate you might as well <laughs> Even if you don't want to shoot it with the gun, you still call Terry Reynolds over and she takes the gun and shoots it.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't know. It just seems seems like there's way more options than handling it the way that the Reynolds family did in that case. How'd you like the mugshot? Oh my gosh, the mugshot is... Either she did not age right or she had something done to her face like Botox.
1: No, I'm telling you, she had like Botox done. She had some kind of facelift or something. I mean, you could tell it's Terry Reynolds, but like you said, it just doesn't look natural.
0: No, it does not, which surprises me because back in the day, she, I mean, she wasn't, in my opinion, I mean, she wasn't like downright sexy or anything, but I mean, she was kind of cute at the very least, so I don't
1: understand why you need to get all this work done. There were some outfits that she had on back in the day. I'm like, Damn, you're not. (laughs) Goldus is a lucky man.
0: Anyway. Was a lucky man. Was a lucky man. Oh, boy. Sorry, Goldie. Anyway, speaking of Goldie, we're going to run through this real quick because we've been talking a very long time as I just look up on the recording. Oh, wait. I'm looking at the wrong one. Never mind. We still got a little bit of time. Anyway. We're unlimited right now. We are. We're unlimited. We're an hour and 15 minutes in, but we're unlimited, so it's all good. Um. So, from now, from, I guess, the last podcast till now, this little pay-per-view happened. It was in Las Vegas, and I can't think of the name of it. Um, Oh, yeah, that's right. Double or Nothing happened, which was, in my opinion, one of the best wrestling shows of the year so far. Knock on wood. I think it could have been the best wrestling show of the whole year, but we still have six months left, so we'll see how it plays out. Um, before I get into this, what were your overall thoughts of the pay-per-view?
1: You know, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Uh, there's a bunch of names on there I wasn't too familiar with. But I expect once they make that jump to TNT, you'll uh, get to know some of the names that they had featured on there. Right. Uh, there were some surprises on there, like Awesome Kong, she showed up. That was great. Um I didn't know that there's a transgender woman in a match. And uh I, I gotta tell this funny story that you told your <laughs> wife Rebecca. Yes, so please do. Everyone's over at Nick's house watching this. And uh Rebecca gets up and goes in the kitchen for something. So the transgender woman comes out and they like mentioned I'm not sure if they mentioned her being transgender or not, but we were kind of talking about it a little bit. But uh, Rebecca comes back into the room, and the camera cut to the transgender woman, and and I apologize because I don't know what her wrestling name is. Nyla Rose. Okay, it cuts to Nyla Rose, and Rebecca looks at her and goes, oh, what's wrong with her? And I turn to her, I go, she's transgender. And Rebecca's face like changed, like her eyes lit up. She goes, Oh, okay. I'm like, wow, (laughs) your opinion just changed instantly. All of a sudden it was all good. (laughs) Yeah, it was all good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, that did, that cracked me up pretty good when that happened. Um, so nine matches, including two on the buy-in, which was their pre-show, uh, Hangman Adam Page won the 21-man casino battle royale in which the winner received an AEW championship match at the winner uh, against the winner of Double or Nothing's main event, which was Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Uh, Hangman Page last defeated uh, Cleveland's AIW's own, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, to earn that opportunity. um, Which I thought was a good battle royal. They they had a... Wrestle with no legs in the match. Uh, Tommy Dreamer was doing Tommy Dreamer things. Uh, you know, we had a lot of old names, new names. It, it, was, it was a fun battle royale. And honestly, I thought MJF was going to win it. But Adam Page somehow
1: outlasted him. So kudos to Hangman Page to, to win. I was surprised that Tommy Dreamer was there because he is with Impact Wrestling. And, and he was able to perform. But Impact Wrestling's uh, champion, Brian Cage, he was actually backstage, but Impact Wrestling told him that he wasn't allowed to compete.
0: I wonder if maybe because he's a champion that has something to do with it, or maybe the fact it was a pre-show that wasn't, like, it it was streamed online on Twitch and stuff like that, but but it wasn't, like, on pay-per-view. I don't know how these things work. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, Uh, Also,
1: another thing I want to talk about with this pay-per-view, can we talk about Jim Ross? Oh, uh, we'll, we'll get, you know,
0: yeah, let's just do it now. Let's talk about Jim Ross. There's uh, a lot of times throughout the the evening where Jim Ross just felt lost and it, it kind of hurt a little bit because as a fan grown up attitude era, post attitude era, Jim Ross was the guy on commentary and King, obviously right and to to hear him stumble around and at one point he even admitted on commentary that he was completely lost
1: yeah, he said that he wasn't sure where they were, and like the other two announcers had a cover for him that that hurt
0: didn't it? Just watching that
1: um well you, then you, you also think back to uh one of the Raw anniversary shows uh, where there's like pictures of Jr. sleeping during the show. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, I
0: believe it was the Raw, I think it was Raw, Raw 25. Because it was, yeah, it was Raw 25. It was a simulcast. Um, one camera was in Brooklyn. The other feed was in uh, the original home of Monday Night Raw. Um, uh I'm drawing a blank on the name, and I can't believe that, where it was like the early 90s, uh, Midtown Manhattan, Hammerstein Ballroom. I'm getting warmer, and I still can't think of the name of it. The War Memorial, that was it. Um, Boy, I really had to dig deep. So they had the two separate feeds. Jare and King were at the War Memorial in Midtown Manhattan, while Michael Cole and the rest of the squad were at uh, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, which, uh, I believe is about 40 minutes away, give or take 45, maybe. Um, and the whole time, like even on commentary, Jim Ross just seemed a little out of place. Like you said, photos surfaced of him sleeping fast forward. Now you could tell he was just like a fish out of water, to be honest, pun intended because of everything that you said
1: earlier with your fish. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> so uh what did you think of the gold dust and uh cody rhodes match oh, i know oh. i said gold it's really uh Dustin rhodes he's going by now
0: well we'll get to that um I, i'm just going in order of wikipedia just so i don't get thrown off or anything no um, yeah, i
1: didn't know you're going off the wikipedia the wikipedia page
0: no yeah you're, you're fine Kip Sabian defeated Sammy Guevara. I did not see that match. I ran up to get uh, food for the evening. And by the time I got back to uh, the the house, we, we invited you over. Michael was over. Rebecca, Tiffany um, had a little mini party for Double or Nothing. That match I did not see because, again, I got the pizza. I'm sure by then you were probably on your way over, so you didn't see it either. Um so SoCal censored Christopher Daniels, Kaz, and Scorpio Sky defeating the Stronghearts, Seema, T-Hawk, and L. Lindemann. Um,
1: I came over in the middle of that match.
0: It was a great match. I'll tell you what. Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazan, they can still bring it. I'm surprised, man.
1: <coughs> and uh, Scorpio Sky actually played Harold in the anger management skits between Daniel Bryan and Kane. Right. And I, I, I thought it was it was
0: pretty cool to see all three of them. Like, I, I think I'm a fan of SCU so far. Um, who, knows, who knows where they'll go from here. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defeating Nyla Rose, the transgendered woman that we mentioned earlier. Kylie Ray, and the surprise appearance of Awesome Kong. And it was later confirmed that Awesome Kong... Uh, signed a, an exclusive deal to AEW. So
1: I, I didn't know about
0: that. Yeah. yeah. So big grab for them, in my opinion, is Awesome Kong. Uh, a stacked I, women's division just got even more stacked.
1: But you know, I was disappointed that she wasn't real dominant in that match.
0: She, it was a little overwhelming. I think th- they really set up a Britt Baker Kylie Ray feud. It seemed like like Nyla Rose and Awesome Kong, as big as what they are, like size wise, they weren't really utilized in that
1: role. Well, also, when was Awesome Kong's last match? I mean, she's probably been away from the ring for a while. Um, Well, I know she
0: had a kid. Um, I'm looking it up 2016 in Impact. Uh, She returned for one night at Bound for Glory.
1: Um Yeah, so you figure it's been a couple years.
0: Yeah. So it's uh, so yeah. Um yeah, I mean that's what they're setting up was Britt Baker and Kylie Ray, which is fine. I don't have any a problem with that. I just felt like Nyla and Awesome Kong were kind of just out of place, it seemed like. But anyway, it was a it was a decent match. Uh the best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta defeated oh dear lord, Los Garros del Silo. Angelico and Jack Evans. Don't ask me the translation into English. I have no idea. Um, Can you say it again? No. So, Trent Beretta is still a thing in 2019. I had no idea. He was still kicking, but apparently he is. Um, Best Friends is clearly a knockoff, in my opinion, of Billy Gunn and Rico and and that kind of thing. Yeah, I could see that. Um, It was a good match, too. I mean... I kind of lost interest a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. I think like mid part of the show was when I was kind of just like, eh, it is what it is. Like it it kind of started dragging at this point.
1: Yeah, it's like there's a bunch of people that at least I didn't know. And I would say about this match is when we started kind of like talking more and goofing off a little bit. Yeah.
0: Uh, six woman tag match. Honestly, I don't even remember this match. Uh, this match was actually brought over by uh, a Chinese promotion that AEW has a working relationship with. Hikaru Shida, Ryo, and Ryo Mizunumi defeated Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazawi, and Imi Sakura. I am not going to say those again, Matt. <laughs> And
1: I'm happy that you're the one that had to say those names.
0: <laughs> um, again, we started, not going to lie, we started losing interest. Um, do you even remember this match? Because I honestly don't. Yeah, the Asians won. <coughs> Moving on. Uh, Code. Um, I think that, well, first off, Cody comes out, they had a set of, like, Triple H's skull on top of, like, this chair thing, and Cody comes out with a sledgehammer, annihilates the thing, shots fired, right, uh, and then Dustin came out with a a red and black tone face paint, It bleeds profound. In the match And
1: Yeah he had to cut himself At some point during the match and he Oh he had to He had I don't see him being accidentally Busted open like that No uh, there was no way He had to have like a razor blade hidden Somewhere and he probably just cut himself too deep Yeah Which happens occasionally in professional wrestling
0: Oh yeah Definitely uh, the young bucks defeating the Lucha bros. I like this match. Um, I know of the Lucha bros. I've seen the young bucks. This was a pretty good match. Um, there's a couple of spots where I don't even know the names of the moves that the Lucha bros did. And honestly, kind of makes me hyped. It was also a, uh, championship match for the triple a world tag team titles. And I thought it was a really
1: good match. Honestly. Um, Were you surprised that it went on after the Cody Rhodes-Dustin Rhodes match? A little bit. I thought this was going
0: to be more towards, like, the start of the show. Um, But I don't don't think that there's anything wrong with it being positioned where it was. I can't say that. Um, Chris Jericho defeating Kenny Omega, in which Chris Jericho now will face Hangman Adam Page... uh, I don't think they announced when, but in the future for an AW world title match. This match was phenomenal all the way through. It did not disappoint.
1: Yeah, it was a pretty good match. I like Chris Jericho's entrance. (coughs) Uh, He had himself like, oh, not himself. He had uh, other, I don't know if you want to call them actors, but they would portray like all of Chris Jericho's old entrances. Like it had dating back to Lionheart Chris Jericho. I had Chris Jericho with the light bright jacket. Um, Y2J. yeah, I thought that was pretty cool.
0: And then and at the end, we had the surprise, which was well. First off, after Jericho wins, he grabs the mic. Typical heel stuff, right? Demanding respect from Cody and the Young Bucks and the fans and this and that. And next, you know, out of the crowd comes John Moxley. He comes out, annihilates. Both Jericho and Omega, uh, I, I think he he hit a dirty deeds on
1: one of them at one point. I know he hit it on Kenny Omega on the top of the dice. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Man, I felt bad
0: for Omega. He took a lot of bumps in that Jericho in the match to begin with. Like he went through the table, um, multiple code breakers, and then he gets dragged up on the chips. And gets a Dirty like It was a bad night for Kenny Omega.
1: (laughs) Not to mention he lost the match. Yeah. But, you know, I know earlier we kind of ripped on JR a little bit. But I did enjoy his call when Moxley was seen making his way through the crowd. Well, JR
0: came out afterwards. I don't know if he saw us. But he said that he had no idea Moxley was even going to be there up until, like, right before it happened. Then they told him, hey, Moxley's coming. (laughs) I didn't even know about that. I I hope they do stuff like that in the f- future, because if the commentators are surprised by it, they need to sell that to us. And yeah, I will admit, great job on JR's behalf.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. If the announcers don't know, then they're like surprise and excitement. It's more noticeable on the commentary. And in return, that gets the fan more into it. So again, grade school uh,
0: report. What would you rate this show?
1: I give it a C. Really? Just because there's some low points in, it, or there's a couple matches we we didn't pay any attention to. I mean, the matches we did pay attention to, they're great. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, uh, I mean. I will
0: agree. Um, The only match that I think was kind of a blemish was the six-woman tag match. Because, again, it it falls in the same category. We just didn't know who they were. and It wasn't bad, but at the same time, we started goofing off at that point.
1: I'm Um, still kind of saving my opinion on AEW until they uh, start up their TV deal in October.
0: I think that's fair. I I like what they're doing, though. They are running shows. Was at least once a month to to give you a taste so i do like that aspect of it
1: yeah because then come tv time people know who these guys are exactly
0: i would rate the show an a minus i really loved it it's just again that women's match was a blemish jr getting lost on commentary was another one um other than that all the matches i saw were, were phenomenal matches um Kudos to them. Yeah, I, I think WWE should definitely be keeping an eye on them. I don't think they should be worried by any means, but they should definitely watch
1: AEW. What do you think about Sami Zayn dropping AEW by name? I'm not surprised by it, honestly.
0: Um, I think that line was kind of given to him. Like they they said, "Hey,
1: mention these guys." I mean, yeah. it, it didn't. Oh, go ahead. See, I remember back in like the attitude era, like you could not say WCW on air. And I Unless think plus if you're DX riding a tank to Nitro. <laughs> yeah. But I think WWE kinda of learned their lesson from that and now they're not afraid to mention their competition. Well, yeah, I mean it happened uh couple like a year ago, a year and a half ago,
0: after WrestleMania thirty four. Um Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens were fighting to get a job on Raw, and Kurt Angle said, look, I can't hire both of you, but I heard TNA is hiring.
1: Yeah, that was pretty funny.
0: Yeah. So I, overall, I'm, I'm happy for AEW. I think that they have the right people in office and the right talent. Um, it's just a matter of utilizing everybody, and that's going to be a challenge. But I, I, I don't see that as a huge problem for them. But when you have they have a a huge roster, by the way. They have like I think like fifty people or something like
1: that. Oh wow, I didn't realize it was that big.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty enormous. But a lot of the talent though really should be noted. Oh my gosh. They're not under exclusive contracts. So you're gonna see a lot of people, I think, just kind of coming and going. No, okay. Which is fine. I mean, I'm okay with rotating. And I saw an interview with Cody where he said they're going to be traveling just like WWE style.
1: You see, when uh, Global Force Wrestling merged with Impact Wrestling, and that's kind of how it was, because Global Force already had uh, working relationships with like AAA, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So there was like different people coming and going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I like that though, you know. Don't burn people
0: out, you know. But at the same time, presents a little bit of a challenge because you have to get creative with your storylines and your roster as a whole. So, I'm I'm hoping the best for him, though. I really am. So, how are you feeling, Matt? Feeling pretty good, Nick. How are you feeling? Feeling good. I I I'm loving the direction of AEW and. and Hoping WWE can step it up a little bit, honestly. I really am, but we'll see. So if you want to hit the show, the Gmail is prowrestlingpod at gmail.com. Once again, prowrestlingpod at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash prowrestlingpod. Once again, facebook.com slash prowrestlingpod. The Twitter is at prowpodcast. Once again, at prowpodcast. prowrestlingpod.blogspot.com. Once again, prowrestlingpod.blogspot.com. Available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, And anchor. My name is Nick. My name is Matt. And we'll see you guys next time.
1: I thought it was Superstar Showdown. (laughs) Time has arrived. We are broadcasting Raw Live from my ass. Boom, boom! I'd rather watch two old women slap my (laughs) ass. Woo! That's as tough as a chunk of my ass. Here comes the biggest ass. ass, 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 ass. The big man is back. Jim Raw. 350 pounds You Say hello to my ass. ass. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest spectacle on earth. My ass. 30 men will enter my ass. You know what I mean? The most important thing to a tag team is my ass. I totally agree with you, JR. Here you go, King. Kiss my ass. I wish you would jump on top of me, JR. It disgusts me to see my ass. My daughter's nursery rhymes are more aggressive than this.
0: I can't help but look at the butt, JR. What?